Hello again, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo. This is program number 645. If you'd like to have a copy of it, please specify whether you want a CD or an audio tape and share it at the end of the program. We'll tell you how you can receive one. These tapes and CDs are absolutely free, including the postage and handling. I just want everybody to receive the Word of God. You know, uh, and I... Um, Want you to receive the word of God. Jesus wants you to receive the word, his word. Uh, the Bible says Jesus is the word of God. And, uh, but a strange thing happened. Uh, years ago, the Catholics are the ones that decided what books would go in the Bible. And they left out many uh, books. And the Bible says anyone that takes anything away from the Bible or adds to, these plagues will be added unto them, uh, and the plagues, these plagues last eternally. In the Bible, it mentions the book of Jasher. Okay, I've got, and we're gonna, I'm gonna show you in the book, the Bible, that one of the books that should have been in the Bible was the book of Jasher. And the book can be available to you. You can go down to the Bible bookstore, and I believe it's a, if it's a sophisticated bookstore, you'll be able to uh, buy it. And it's called the Book of Jasher. Uh, there's several other books that have been left out of the Bible. This is uh, referred uh, to in Joshua, the Book of Joshua, and Second Samuel. All right, so I'm going to read some of that to you. I'm trying to find some kind of an identification here on the book so that you can um, go and buy it. But I'll be reading from the book of Jasher. Some people say that Rebecca was not, never mentions in the Bible that she was 10 years old when she was married and that her husband Isaac was 40. I'm going to read it to you out of there. And I'm going to read the references in the Bible, that speak about the book of Jasher and how that Rebecca was 10 years old when she was married to Isaac, who was 40 years old. There's a 30-year span there. You know, because Isaac was able to afford a wife, he inherited all of his father's wealth and was able to take care of the Bride, she obviously had reached puberty. But uh, I've got uh, a strong message for you tonight, today, this afternoon, this morning, whenever you're listening to the program. I've got songs and letters. So let's now pray. Father, I pray to you that uh, you will... Uh, reveal unto the people in the world the proper books uh, that have been left out of the Bible. There must be uh, uh, a dozen or more that I know of. I know that there's the three books of Enoch that were left out. The book of Adam and Eve has been left out. The book of Jasher, the book of Noah, and uh, the book of Seth. And there are many other books as well. There is the Book of Wisdom that the Catholics uh, added in their Bible uh, and four other books. But uh, right now, Father God, uh, let's uh, 
I pray that you anoint this message and that it will make sense to the people in the world. People should do everything they can in their power to see what the other books in the Bible are and read them because it, uh, none of these books contradict anything that's in the Bible. There has been in some of the books some things added that are not of the Lord, such as in the book of Adam and Eve, it talks about Melchizedek uh, being killed or murdered or dying, and that his um, body was buried where the on um, Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified. But um, this man uh, had never died, and so uh, he is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek has never died because Melchizedek was actually Jesus. Father, I ask that you um, anoint, that you destroy every attempt that Satan would make to interfere with this program and that you would destroy every evil demon that would cause confusion during the program then I'll give you all the praise, the glory, the thanks, and the honor. Lord, let souls be saved. Uh, let the church be strengthened. Rebuke Satan. Close every door to him. Open every door to us that you have for us, Lord. And let us be bold to walk into it. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everyone says amen. Amen. All right, I've got a song here that I sang. It's How Long Has It Been? Um, go ahead, play it. How long has it been since you talked Since you knelt by your bed and prayed 
and would keep you the long night through. How long has it been since you woke with the dawn and felt that the day? All right, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, everybody better pray and um, visit the Lord because uh, there's no possible way that you can know uh, what's going to happen unless uh, you consult with uh, the creator of heaven and earth and the creator of everything in the heaven and earth. We have some uh, letters here to start out with. Let's hear one of them. Where is it from? From Monrovia, Liberia, Africa. And let's hear what they have to say. Dear Pastor Tony Alamo, I'm very grateful to the Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. To Him be the glory. I received the literature, newsletters, and your note. Thank you so much for winning souls in the Master's Vineyard. I really want to inform you that by reading the Holy Bible with the literature and newsletters, my life has totally changed. Pastor, I would like you to join us in prayer. My dream is to plant the Tony Alamo Christian Ministry in Liberia. It would be well and good to have a branch here in Liberia, West Africa. My wife and I are searching for land, and if the arrangement goes through, I will inform you. Oh, well, uh, what I'm doing is I'm sending you a, a letter that I've written to many people that want to start churches, and they start hunting for land and things like that. The ministry, our ministry, Susie's and my ministry, started in her apartment. She was my Bible teacher, and I would bring many people up to her apartment. Um, all this was going on uh, quite a while before God showed us the vision and told us that we were to be married. And it's obvious that it was from the Lord because of the incredibly huge work of God that God did through us. I and a couple other people would go up to her apartment and we would listen to her read the Bible. And I gave her my testimony. I told her how I was saved. And uh, then I would go out on the street and bring people up to her apartment. I'd tell them my testimony. And then she would preach to them. There was no possible way that I was going to be looking for a church or property at that point in time. We had to first be tested by the Lord, and we operated out of that apartment for a while until the place was just packed out with people. And then God showed us the vision. This was before we were married. He showed us a vision of that she and I were to be married. And then we went to Las Vegas 
And uh, we got married there. She sold all of her furniture that she had in the apartment. It was a modest-priced apartment. And we went there and told everybody to just, uh, you know, wait until we got back and to distribute literature and things like that until we got back. And it took us quite a while. Uh, first of all, we uh, we got a job. I had a Beatles album that I wanted to sell uh, so that we'd have some money. And she said, uh, the Lord won't let you sell that uh, album. It was a original album by the Beatles that uh, Pete Best of the Beatles gave me uh, for doing a promotion for him. And uh, I wanted to sell it. And there were a lot of different casinos that used, uh, wanted to use it for what they call a slot pl- a prize. In other words, if they hit a jackpot, they could get one of those, uh, get, of course, the money that... Uh, came from the slot machine and they'd get a, uh, or they had several different ways that people could get a Beatles album. But uh, Susie told me, no, the Lord had told her not uh, for me to do that, to save the album and to show people that I'm not in the ministry for money. She said the Beatles had said they're more popular than God and so don't even sell it. They're uh, uh, like reprobates. And so I didn't sell it. But at any rate, uh, we went there to get married. And then after we had been there for a while, I uh, had a man, Norman Kay, who was with, uh, who owned the Norman Kay Realty there, brought the singer uh, Jim Hahn to me. And we changed his name to Rovan. And they asked me to do the promotion for them, and I didn't want to, but Susie said, do it, because all the people in the recording in, uh, industry, in the motion picture industry, thought I'd gone mad because I was sitting on top of the world, uh, the way that people think. that. Um, and uh, she said, that'll show that you're not crazy. Like, you know, all these people that are carnal, that don't know anything about God and don't know anything about a born-again experience, they just make up things in their head as to what you are and how come you're doing the things you're doing. And they'd like to put you in a mental institution when, uh, in reality, everybody that's not saved belongs uh, either need to come to the Lord or go to a mental institution because I was crazy before I was saved and so are all the rest of you. And so uh, we uh, came back to Hollywood after I did the, uh, I started doing the promotion there and made him uh, the head of the Casino de Paris uh, show at the Dunes Hotel and got him on RCA Victor Records and then the Lord I've mentioned to you before, tongues and interpretations came down in the 500 room at Angela's Temple and told me to get out of there and listen to my wife. My wife was telling me to get out of that business and uh, do what um, I uh, he called me to do, which is to win souls, to study the Bible, to pray, and to communicate with him and for him to communicate to me. And so that really showed me that these people didn't know me, and therefore, I, and I didn't know them. And the tongues came down, and somebody I never met 
told me these things that I was doing wrong and that I have to get out of the business again. And so I did. But at any rate, um, we, uh, I started doing, um, uh, distributing literature and we started winning souls again. And I, with the money that I had, I bought a house in Malibu. Uh, it actually wasn't Malibu, it's like uh, Zuma Beach, high up on a hill overlooking the ocean. And uh, she said she was praying that I would lose all my money, and I did, and so we had to move down. She said, uh, we'll move to Hollywood so we're close. It's too long of a drive to get to Hollywood from where we were. And so uh, we went down there, and sh we found this place. She found a place in the paper for $60 or $65 a month, I don't remember. And she said, well, let's go see that. And it was behind a filling station over on Coinga Boulevard. And I went in there. There wasn't even any floors in the place, and we were looking for a place to store our furniture. And she says, uh, I said, boy, I'd never move in a place like that. And she said, the minute that you said that, I knew that you were going to have to move in there. 60 to $65 a month. And I was living high on the hog before this. From the money that I made from the 20 original hits and other things that I was doing. So I says, you got to be crazy, Susie. But we wound up in there and we started winning souls. Uh, this was all against my will, but she said it's the Father's will, it's God's will, and so we did it. And I just really wanted to serve the Lord, and uh, I knew that she knew God, and God told me to listen to her. And so I did. And many of the things that she said were seemed crazy to me. Uh, we're out of money, she says. Uh, we went to this uh, narcotic dope den. They invited us over there to preach the gospel. So we'd go to different missions on um, Sunday to preach the gospel. And then after that, we'd go over to the narcotic dope den, and we told me you have to flush all the uh, narcotics down the toilet. And so they did, and we went in there, and the place was packed full of hippies. And we went in, and uh, I gave my testimony. And Susie preached the gospel until they could feel the fires of hell under them, and they all repented and asked the Lord into their hearts. And that became our first church, was the narcotic dope and We started instructing these people to go out into the streets and preach the gospel. And everything was so supernatural. Then the people in the neighborhood started telling them, uh, telling us you shouldn't have anything to do with those hippies because they're that they're drug lords over there, and we says, well, you know, we know what we're doing. Uh, you people don't, uh, you know, we've been we're saved and we've been in the ministry. My wife here for over twenty five years, and I've been in the Lord for around a couple years, two three years, and we know what we're doing. You don't. You're not uh, saved. And there was a big Presbyterian church right across the street from us. And uh, so we trained them all to go out on the streets with us and to distribute literature and witness to people and invite them to services and that there would be a free meal after each service. So they came up there for the meal, but a lot of them got saved. I mean, there was like hundreds of them that got saved in that uh, 
narcotic dope den, and there were so many people in there. It was a pretty good-sized house that we started um, uh, to pray for a house that was bigger. And we were still living in that uh, shack behind the shack, I call it, the 60 to $65 a month uh, house. So uh, we started praying for another place. And this is how our ministry started. And I don't believe that you should go out right away and start um, looking for a um, some land and money to build a church and all these things. These things uh, happen years later and many times. A lot of people are sitting there with big churches and everything. They haven't, they don't yet know the Bible and they haven't been put through the fire. They haven't been tested to see if they'll continue on with the Lord after they've been saved. But, uh, I did, Susie did, even after Susie had been a pastor for many years, she came down and went through the, uh, the trials and tribulations with me, a new Christian that had to go through it. And she said, man, this is really getting me, Tony, because you're still like, uh, you have a lot of rebellious uh, things in your spirit. And I'm having to go through the fire with you. Now hurry up and get right with the Lord completely so that you can, uh, so that we can uh, move up in the ministry. And so I really did everything and she coached me every step of the way she was uh, really uh, my mentor god said listen to her and i started listening to her and then we moved up to sunshine terrace uh, which was a, <laughs> in comparison to what we had there was like holes cracks in that building and we almost uh, died from pneumonia we got it and uh, the bathroom the wall was so feeble that it <laughs> It almost caved in when you were in there. And when the Lord told Susie it was time for us to move into a better place, uh, I didn't want to leave because I liked the idea of not paying so much rent. And she told me, in the ministry, get cheap rent and use the money for the ministry. And so I didn't want to leave. So I went into that, if you want to call it a bathroom, and there was a rat dog paddling inside the toilet. And I said, that's it, Sue. We're going. <laughs> I'm going to listen to you. So we uh, moved out of there and went to Sunshine Terrace, uh, which it was uh, sort of like a duplex. There was an apartment up above where Sue and I lived, and down below, her daughter lived with a man named Ed Mick that got saved in that narcotic dope den. They brought him over to our shack behind the shack. We witnessed to him, and he got saved. Then he started bringing all kinds of the... He told the dopers uh, in that dope den that we're coming over there, and they have to flush all their narcotics and drugs down the toilet before we'll come over, so they did. We went there, and every one of them got saved. One of the girls, I was told by Sue had no blouse on and uh, no bra, and I didn't see it. She didn't know that I had tunnel vision, and she was trying to blow my mind, but I didn't even see her. And this is before God Almighty. <laughs> and so uh, she finally, one of the people there, threw her uh, a shirt or a towel or something to wrap around herself because she got under conviction, and she got saved.
So this is the thing that you do. I like to give everybody, uh, you know, we're full of zeal when we first get saved. Well, I wanted to do um, uh, bigger than IMAX, a theater that was maybe 10 times bigger than an IMAX theater where the screen went up 100 feet and people would sit in there and uh, I wanted to do the movie Revelation, the book of Revelation. And there all these kind of ideas we get into our head, but that wasn't of the Lord. Otherwise, that would have happened already. And so we have to be patient. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up like eagles. Wait on the Lord to open up doors for you. Don't waste your time looking for land. Operate out of your... Uh, house or your apartment or your hut or whatever you're living in and then let the lord show you pray to him so that he can show you that's not the right thing to do this is the right thing to do or if you want to ask me questions i can counsel counsel you as i am counseling you right now and this is the way gradually um we were in crescent heights and then the people on sunset boulevard uh, became very irritated at us because we had the whole crew of people, which were hundreds of hippies. We had them go out on the Sunset Strip where all the hippies were during that era of time. It was in the mid-60s, and we had people, um, uh, we'd bring people in from the Sunset Strip. Well, they had these uh, skin flicked, uh, flicks out there and these topless bars and all these different things. And uh, we would uh, bring them in, and they get saved. And so the uh, these skin flick uh, people got very irritated, and the topless bars, because we were winning all their customers to the Lord, they weren't coming there anymore and spending any money. And so what they did is uh, they started paying police officers off to arrest us, and they really wanted to arrest me because they figured I was the ringleader. And police would actually come in when people were speaking in tongues and they'd start beating them up because they were saying that Sue and I had them on some kind of drug uh, that uh, they weren't familiar with. Uh, just like in the book of Acts where the people from all these different nations supposed that the Christians that were speaking in tongues were drunk in the, the middle of the day, and Peter told them, no, they're not drunken. This is still early afternoon. They're not drunken at all. These people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're saved, and he preached the gospel to them, and thousands of them were saved. So, um, you know, we you have to just um, be out on the streets where the people are. Yeah, get the uh, gospel to them. So many people in our church, the newcomers, don't realize what we went through. And many people open up churches and they fail and they can't understand why. There was a man in Florida uh, where Gracie out there, she used to be an opera singer, and Susie and her were friends. And after Susie died, she sent me a letter stating that the police and all the people did not want her to have signs on her uh, house. And so I went down there to uh, help her fight the good fight of faith and to explain to the city fathers and so on that there's that's her property and she can put uh, science up there and to help her with the money for an attorney if necessary. So and if um, everything works out good, I mean, we didn't have a lot of money, Sue and I at all. 
And for years, we didn't have any money. We got put through the test. Uh, at the beginning, uh, all the money that I had, uh, she prayed away. And uh, I was, all I had was the Beatle album and some masters of uh, different singers that I had that I knew were big hits. And, um, but I just uh, didn't get involved in it because of the tongues and interpretations that came down in the Angelus Temple at the 500 room. And we would go there and uh, preach and give testimonies and things like that as well. And the Lord really gave me signs and visions and dreams and all these things. And Susie was the old timer. Sue was about nine years older than me and uh, had been in the ministry for 25 years. And she'd tell me, no, don't do that. Don't give your testimony at these charlatans. Because after you, they tell you, uh, they, uh, you give your testimony over there, what's going to happen is how often can you uh, tell your testimony to them before they uh, throw you out of there like an old Coca-Cola can, crushed? And she said, just let's stay in our own ministry. Uh, the Lord says for us to drink water out of our own cistern. And so that's what I did. And... The other people, they don't really uh, cotton to us that much because we never participated with their, quote, ministry, unquote. And that's why we grew all over the world now. And we have buildings, we have churches, but uh, God gave them to us and he gave us the money to buy them. So uh, most of the people, most of you people that want to get into the ministry, you want me to give you the money to be in the ministry rather than the Lord. And I really didn't want anything from anybody else at that time. It's very important for you people to send tithes and offerings to us because we're feeding you the word of God. And you're robbing God if you don't uh, give tithes and offerings. But back then, uh, hardly anybody was giving tithes and offerings to us. And... Uh, Woe be unto them. The Lord commands you to give us tithes and offerings because of the work that we're doing. But uh, I, I, nobody ever gave us any money to get ahead. A uh, few people, you know, gave a few dollars and things like that. So you just have to, and you have to work. Uh, no one is uh, called to support or to um, open a building for you, build a building for you, and buy land for you, and things like that. Uh, don't be offended at that. That's not the way the Lord operates, though. Okay, so what else does this letter say? Meanwhile, we're continually distributing the literature and newsletters. Well, that's good. So you're still living, you're alive, and you're distributing newsletters, and then what else? And in so doing, the Lord has won many souls in Africa. There you go. Then what else? This has motivated me to have a branch in Monrovia, Liberia, for worship. Yeah. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. That is absolutely true. The Bible says that. And right now, I'm doing this broadcast from a hotel room. That's why you hear doors slamming and things like that. And so you can operate out of a small space. If you get a lot of people, well, be like Jesus. He preached them on a mountainside and on the top of a mountain and on the by the seashore. In places like that, don't worry about, uh, uh, unless God 
or tells you open a building. And if he tells you that, he's going to give you the money. He'll have to open up a door for all the people that you've won to the Lord to go out and get a job and then tithe the money in so that you can all have a church. Then what? One thing I know is with God all things are possible, praise the Lord. That's right, as long as you do it God's way. But all things are not possible if you do it your way. Then what? May the Lord Lord God richly bless you for the good work you have been doing. Extend my warmest greetings to your family, the congregation, and the church in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will one day see each other face to face by God's grace waiting expectantly to hear and receive from you. Kind regards, yours in Christ, Isaac Quarte from Monrovia, Liberia. All right, praise the Lord. Do you have another letter? Yes. Where is it from? From Lugazi, Uganda. Okay, let's hear it. Hello, Evangelist Tony Alamo. Thank you very much for the good work you are doing in the Radio East Africa. My dear preachers, thank you so much for nice and understandable words that you have given us power through your teachings. So kindly I ask you to give us more about the same. I encourage you to continue and tell us more detail and encouraging words of our Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Pray for us and we will do the same for you. I remain yours, Mugenyi David from Lugazi, Uganda, Africa. All right, praise the Lord. That's, uh, you know, these people are so wonderful. And I want to do a little reading here now from uh, Joshua the 10th chapter, and uh, we're going to just start out right there. Now, um, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass when Adonai Azedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken uh, Ai, the city, the ancient city of Ai. I was there when I was in Jerusalem. And had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king. So he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them now. Verse 2, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all the men thereof were mighty. Verse 3, wherefore Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of uh, Jeremoth, and unto Jephi, uh, a king of Lachish, and unto Deber, king of Eglon, saying, uh, Sharon, start reading verse 4. Come up unto me, okay? Yes. Come up unto me and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Yeah, so let's go up there and get Gibeon for the reason for that they had made peace with Joshua. 
So they're our enemy now, because Joshua is our enemy, because he's of God, and we're of the devil. And we know that they've come into this land to kill us. And with the children of Israel. Okay, verse 5. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. Verse 6. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us, and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. They're going to kill us. Get up here and help. Then what? Verse 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him. See, they went to help these helpless people, and that's what... I like to do. I like when I see the devil hitting people, I like to I like to come at them with the word of God. Then what? And all the mighty men. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. Okay, now, verse 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for okay, I... Okay, that's beautiful words from God. Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. That's what the Lord keeps telling me. Don't fear anybody because I'm going to uh, deliver them into thine hand. Then what? There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Verse 9. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. Verse 10, And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon, and smote them to Azekah and unto Makeda. Verse 11, And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel, and were in the going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven. And that the Lord is sending down stones. You know, Fort Smith, Arkansas got hit very bad just uh, lately because there's a lot of people there that are demonic uh, and have been against us. And so right here, the Lord has sent down large stones from heaven. These are hailstorms. Cast down great stones from heaven upon them. Great stones. Now, these stones that hit uh, Fort Smith, I don't know, they're probably no bigger than golf balls. Great stones are like uh, 100 pounds each, and uh, slaughtered them, okay? Go ahead, finish. Cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Ezekah, and they died. They, they were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Verse 12, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou move. That son means S-U-N, not S-O-N. Son, he's talking to the son and commanding you to stand thou still upon Gibeon. Okay, then. And thou moon in the valley of Agilon. Verse 13. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written... 
in the book of Jasher? Yes, and it's in the book of Jasher where it states that Rebecca was 10 years old when she was married and also that her husband Isaac was 40 years old. So the sun stood still in the midst of the of heaven and um, hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there's no way that the rocket would go up into the moon unless this scientist who knew the Bible figured that in or in the equation of how it would happen, uh, the only way it would happen if uh, he had not figured that into it. Okay, now we're going into the uh, book of Second Samuel. Okay, and we're going to read so that you can know that the book of Jasher is of the Lord. All right, now let's start reading. Uh, okay, um, that is chapter 1. Start at verse 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had abode two days in Ziklag. Verse 2, It came even to pass on the third day, that, behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul, with his clothes rent, and earth upon his head. And so it was, when he came to David, that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. Verse 3, And David said unto him, From whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. Verse 4, And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, that the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. Verse 5, And David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? Verse 6, And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Verse 7, And when he looked behind him, he saw me, and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. Verse 8, And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. Verse 9, He said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. Verse 10, so I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head, and the bracelet that was on his arm, and have brought them hither unto my Lord. Verse 11. Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. Verse 12. And they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. Yeah, now see, this Saul that uh, was trying to kill David all the time, because of the fact that God had anointed him once, he didn't dare uh, do anything to him. Many times David could have killed him, but he didn't because of the fact he said that you were an, the anointed of the Lord. Even though that he sinned and he took on devils, uh David wouldn't touch him. Then what? Verse 13. 
And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger and a Malachite. Verse 14. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Verse 15. And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. Verse 16. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. Verse 17. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. Verse 18. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. In the book of Jasher. Okay, now read the scripture in Jasher here regarding the age of Rebekah and the age of Isaac. Go ahead, read it. Verse 39 of chapter 24. And they all blessed the Lord who brought this thing about. And they gave What verse him, is that, 39? Yes. Okay, then what? Chapter what? Chapter 24. Okay, then what? And they all blessed the Lord who brought this thing about, and they gave him Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, for a wife for Isaac. Verse 40. And the young woman was of very comely appearance. She was a virgin, and Rebekah was ten years old in those days. Verse 41. And Bethuel and Laban and his children made a feast on that night, and Eleazar and his men came and ate and drank and rejoiced there on that night. Verse 42, And Eleazar rose up in the morning, he and the men that were with him, and he called to the whole household of Bethuel, saying, Send me away, that I may go to my master. And they rose up and sent away Rebekah and her nurse Deborah, the daughter of Uz, and they gave her silver and gold, men servants and maidservants, and they blessed her. Verse 43. And they sent Eleazar away with his men. And the servants took Rebekah, and he went and returned to his master to the land of Canaan. Verse 44. And Isaac took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he brought her into the tent. Verse 45. And Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter the of... The ten-year-old. Okay. Yes. And what? The daughter of his uncle Bethuel for a wife. Okay. So she became his wife. That means they had sexual intercourse. And so this is totally, uh, of course, the government, uh, the world government doesn't uh, agree with marriage because they're homosexuals. And people that have fallen away, they haven't read the Bible. They don't know. and They haven't studied the word to be workmen approved, and they give all kinds of accusations, and they could care less. We have people leaving our church because of the, quote, law of the land. Um, the law, really, of the land, because the land belongs to the Lord, and he's given it to those of us that are Christians. The law of the land is the law of God. And so there was nothing wrong. Rebecca had reached the age of puberty at age 10. The age of puberty uh, occurs early uh, when the climate is hot, such in Africa, uh, back then in Israel, which was at one time Africa. All right, and so 
you know, you people should not be going against God because God is going to go against you. You can't win with him. And you should not come against the people of the Lord. Uh, that uh, if the women want to get married, but there are no underage marriages in my church because I know how satanic you people are out there. And so I tell them, well, you know, if you want to get married, you can't get married in the church. Uh, the legal marriage age has always been uh, puberty in the United States until the Roman Catholic cult, the homosexuals and child molesting cult, uh, got hold, uh, more hold on the world government. And of course, they're homosexuals and they're child molesters. And they, it's like the Bible says that in the latter days, the seducing spirits will come and they will forbid marriage. And these are uh, doctrines. These are, this is a doctrine of the devil, the Bible says. Uh, you know, making people suffer. But when Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. Now, in the book of uh, Romans chapter 8, and we're over here at verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? How are you people out there that are possessed with the devil are laying anything to the charge of God's elect. Am I one of God's elects? You better believe I am, and you're going to know it too. Because I'm praying that you'll get saved, but if you don't, I'm praying that God will take your life or do something to you that will stop your mouth. It is God that justifies people, and what he has allowed at, um, all the people in the world he is uh, allowing to this day because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? Uh, you're condemning God and the people of the Lord? You lying bunch of phonies, you. Uh, it is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Does it say that Mary makes intercession for us? No, it says that Jesus does. Okay, verse 35. Who shall separate us? Have you people out there that are bringing lies against us and doing everything in your little Mickey Mouse carnal power to destroy the people of the Lord? Bible says, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Uh-uh. Or distress? No. Or persecution? Uh-uh. Or famine? No. Or um, nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? As it is written, verse 36, For thy sake... We are killed all the day long. We are, uh, we are like uh, counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Uh, why is that? Well, it's because if anybody does kill us, or if we're thrown in prison, or if anything like that happens to us, 
and the breath goes out of our body, we made it. We made it into heaven. But you people are never going to make it. Not unless you repent, if you can repent. And you have to stay right on the money, right on the Bible, the word of God. Nay, in all these things, we are more, much more than conquerors through him that loved us. Uh, verse 38, for I am persuaded that uh, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That was the end of chapter 8. Now we'll be going into chapter 9. The Lord really wants me to expound on this, um, the book of Romans here, and he wanted me to get it straight. Uh, this woman wrote in and says, yeah, it never says in the Bible that uh, Rebecca was 10 years old. Yes, it's one of the lost books of the Bible that the Bible mentions. And so, you know, shut your mouth, you people. I'm the teacher. Don't try to teach me the Bible. You're not even saved. You're lost. And I'm Jewish, and we wrote the Bible. And you Gentiles out there, don't tell me what the Bible says. I'll tell you. All right? Well, it's time to pray. And I'm telling you that uh, you need to contact God right now, and you can do that by saying this prayer, and you'll be saved. And that's just the beginning of salvation. You have to continue on in the Lord. So say this prayer to God. Say, my Lord. Now say it. My Lord and my God, have mercy upon my soul, a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and I believe that he died on the cross and shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of all my former filthy sins. Not the sins I'm going to do in the future because I'm not going to sin anymore, but my former filthy sins. Except in the future, if I... Uh, commit a sin that is of ignorance, then I can be forgiven for that as long as I don't do it again. Lord God, I believe that uh, Jesus died on the cross and that you, Father, raised him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I open the door of my heart and I invite you, Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, into my heart. Wash all of my former filthy sins away in the precious blood that you shed for me. You will not turn me away, Lord Jesus. You will save my soul. I know because your word says so. Your word says that all the people that call upon you, you shall not turn away. You will save my soul. Therefore, I'm calling on you, and therefore, I know that you've heard me, and I know that you have answered me, and I know that I'm saved. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my everlasting, eternal soul. Now, just raise your hands up and praise and thank the Lord and praise and thank God, Almighty, the whole Godhead. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus, for dying for me and resurrecting from the grave for me. All right. Now, uh, Sharon, tell our listening audience to order this tape if they like it, how to do so. It's free. Uh, tape number, make sure you mention tape numbers or CD number 645.
Go to alamoministries.com or write to Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, P.O. Box 6467, Texarkana, Texas 75505, or call area code 479-782-7370. That's 479-782-7370, or fax to area code 479-782-7406. All right, now, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo saying, turn, tune in tomorrow for another uh, lesson uh, in the straight and narrow way. We have to live it one day at a time. Don't think of uh, years ahead or anything like that because there's not that many years ahead. And not only that, we don't know that we're going to live another day. So live today for the Lord, okay? Now, if people, human beings, are giving you a hard time, Remember this, where man's love stops is where God's begins. And uh, this is a Gary Paxton arrangement, and I'm singing it. Uh, where man's love stops. Yeah.